You're listening to the Science Circle Podcast. It's a nonprofit program serving a global alliance of scientists, educators, students, and you. Welcome. Our guest today is Dr. Robert Hendricks. He's a recently retired surgeon in North Carolina, and he returns to this podcast to share some insights into simple steps we might take to make our lives healthier in body and mind. Robert told us an inspiring story and how he was raised as a farm boy and ultimately became a practicing physician and a medical educator. Robert spent his early years in a humble start working with livestock and crops, which he says was his self-education in Natural Science 101, learning about fossils and plants, bugs, feathers, and bones, samples he could see close up with his less-than-perfect eyes. He set up a primitive lab for experiments when he was done with the farm chores and received much of his early life learning at the public library every Saturday. He ultimately earned his MD from the University of Kentucky, completing a residency at Ohio State University before becoming board certified as a head and neck surgeon. He served on the faculty for over seven years at the University of Pennsylvania and was very active with medical student education and resident surgeon training. He recently retired and is now finding new ways to help improve the life and health of others. He joined us a few weeks back to talk about the global epidemic of fatty liver disease impacting some 20% of the world's population. And he's back now with some further insights and tips on how we can turn ourselves into healthier and happier people. Robert, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. You were last with us talking about how our dietary choices may cause and also help avoid liver disease. You had some recommendations for changes we might make. One of the uh, primary culprits you pointed out is fast food and the unhealthy, ultra-processed foods that are toxifying us in other ways, too. What are we doing wrong, and how might we do better? This is a really fascinating topic. In the Western diet, people that eat a lot of fast food, ultra-processed food, starchy foods, corn and potatoes, and not so much in the way of other types of vegetables and fruits and maybe fatty meats or uh, high meat diet, low fiber diet, they tend to get dysbiosis. That's an abnormal population of bacteria in the in the gut. If you have a long time when you're just bathing your liver in all these low levels of toxins, it does a couple of things. One, it seems to damage liver cells. It also has an impact, it's felt, on glucose tolerance, the tendency to get metabolic syndrome or pre-diabetic or type 2 diabetes, like the kind when people get uh, in adulthood and they often are overweight and um, their blood sugar tends to rise. And that has all kinds of effects on uh, aging and damaging the blood vessels. 
Definitely not good stuff. I got an article uh, I was just reading from the JAMA Internal Medicine Journal. It's from the American Medical Association. And they identified a long list here of what we might consider ultra-processed toxic foods, carbonated drinks, packaged snacks, ice cream, all that hurts, candies, cereal bars, sausages, burgers, powdered instant soups and desserts. And it goes on and on. It says that just a 10% increase in the consumption of these ultra-processed foods has resulted in a 14% higher risk of death from all causes. And you just enumerated some of those uh, causes. And these foods, in this article, as you referenced, they're called strategic industrial formulations of salt, sugar, oils, and fats. And they mix in some dyes and flavor enhancers. And these are just fast and tasty and so ready to eat, especially suitable for our time crunch live. So how do the good foods compete against that? And what are the good foods? What should we be eating instead? There's uh, an environmental working group. It's a nonprofit uh, that that posted a list of the foods that are able to be manufactured with the least measurable pesticides. Number one on that was avocados, which are good for you. They, they have a lot of fat, but they're healthy fat and have fiber and some other things. Sweet corn, pineapple, cabbage, onions, frozen peas, um, papayas, asparagus, mangoes, eggplant, honeydew, melons, kiwis, cantaloupes, cauliflower, and broccoli uh, were on that list. And the liver is sort of like your star boxer. Gets in the ring and can knock down the toxins. But how many times you see a boxer it's a horrible sport, but how many times you see a boxer come out after uh, eight rounds, 12 rounds, uh, whatever, without a mark on them? Every time your liver gets exposed to these things, it gets a little bit beaten up. That's one way to think about it. There's this uh, Latin word for cabbage, basica. Basica vegetables are cruciferous vegetables. Broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, uh, cauliflower, collard greens, kale, turnips, Bok choy, arugula, watercress, radishes. As we're giving those knockout punches to our livers, how about those who say that a life without hot dogs and sweet sugary drinks just isn't worthwhile? And no doubt you've heard that from a patient before. What do you tell them? <laughs> Change your diet. It's a slow death. I mean, it's like smoking or anything else. It's not um, a quality life. Uh, it's not living up to their potential uh, in terms of genome and metabolic potential that they inherited. And what I would encourage them is try changing and see, be experimental, try changing and trying to do better with the things they hear that uh, not fattish stuff, but things that are substantiated and one of the hopeful messages you bring to us is that it's not too late. Our bodies have remarkable recuperative powers, don't they? And these dietary changes can still, even uh, in the later years, return our insides to a better state. Absolutely. It's never too late to make changes. People can do better, and they will feel better if they try it. <laughs> and everybody has the capability of addressing this and just focusing on one thing at a time and uh, uh, changing their lives. Since we emerged from the wilderness and formed cities and we started thinking of ourselves as dominant over the earth and dominant over nature, we are dependent on nature. We're a part of nature. 
and everything, every cell in our body is a manifestation of natural processes. They're not under our control, and we have lost respect for that. You've given us some useful advice for making ourselves physically healthier. When we come back, let's check some suggestions you might have for improving our mental health and well-being, especially in the areas of stress, anxiety, and depression. That's another epidemic among our young people. We'll talk about that after a break. Stay with us. talking with Dr. Robert Hendricks. He's been a physician and surgeon who has spent a lifetime helping others heal and training a new generation of doctors. Robert, you've said uh, you take a holistic approach to health, wisely caring for both the mind and the body. Let's talk a bit about mental health disorders, especially impacting our young people. I'm going to reference a new study from the Pew Research Center that says 70% of teenagers, that's 7 in 10, identify anxiety and depression as a major problem in their lives. And the teenage years have always been a challenge. But new research shows there's been a doubling of children and teens admitted to hospitals for self-harm over just seven years. And it's a trend around the world. And in your decades as a doctor, no doubt you've seen many maladies grounded in mental stress and anxiety and depression. And how do those mental conditions specifically impact our physical health and of course vice versa oh i think that highly integrated cluttering your situation with uh, competitiveness over um, wanting to have the right shoes and the right clothing and uh, feeling uh, an immense fear of uh, not fitting in that's that's only natural but it's it can be pathological indeed I'd like to share some insights. This is from a recent article uh, on what might help reduce some of the mental issues impacting young people and perhaps us all. Uh, Andrew Feligny is a professor of psychiatry and psychology at UCLA. And full disclosure, I teach for UCLA, but they hardly need my plug. He says that what many young people are missing are enough authentic and meaningful opportunities to give of themselves to others, especially at a time in their lives when they are at their most formative and potent stages of generosity. That's true. I've seen the data on it. His study shows that Young people who volunteer and help others, well, they show lower circulating levels of inflammation, lower mortality, fewer health problems, and less depression. And they could be donating time to animal shelters or retirement centers and service organizations. And that's not only good for society, but for individual well-being as well. Uh, yes, would you concur with that? Oh, absolutely. I think involvement and in giving in any way you can. And if you're uncomfortable with people, help animals, help in protecting the environment. Uh, there's all kinds of ways you can be benevolent in the world and constructive and giving. When you do give, you are rewarded just by your own human nature. It's, there's something absolutely satisfying about it. If you can just try to in, embrace a positive viewpoint, not only about yourself, but about other people. The whole thing gets easier. Be more tolerant and accepting. 
Back to the theme of mind and body connection, are there physical exercises we might undertake for reducing mental anguish and anxiety? And are there also mental exercises that might increase our physical well-being? I think in, in terms of physical fitness, the easiest and most inexpensive thing, at least get out and take walks, especially outside where you can see the plants. There's something that happens in the brain when you see green and blue. People have this twofold magic. Everybody has two kinds of magic that I can identify. And one is that you have the ability to change your surroundings within your boundaries, to change what's right in front of you. And you're, you, you can jolt yourself from one state, including from deep lulls and sadness, and to feeling a lot better by just changing what you're doing, even getting out and taking a walk. Or the other magic is the magic of words. You can take something that's arcane or hard to understand, and uh, you find words for it, and you start to get your mind around it, and you start to pick it apart and come to understand it, and then you got it contained. There's no ubiquitous, unending happiness to be found. It comes like some sunny days and uh, summer rainy is an old metaphor. But uh, if from moment to moment you can feel satisfied and accepting of yourself, it doesn't matter if you're uh, a dishwasher or the um, CEO of a company. If you're doing things you enjoy and you're doing the best job you can and you're uh, dealing with your life in a positive way, you can be proud of it and you should be respected for it. Our guest for this episode of The Science Circle was Dr. Robert Hendricks, sharing some valuable advice on how to live healthier lives in both mind and body. He is a regular presenter and participant at The Science Circle. You can find more about that at sciencecircle.org. And you can watch his presentation recordings at The Science Circle channel on YouTube. It's been a pleasure talking with you today, Robert. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. And we'll be right back. The Science Circle is a nonprofit program based in the Netherlands with a recording studio here in Southern California. For more information on this podcast and other Science Circle programs, please visit sciencecircle.org. That's sciencecircle.org. This podcast is under Creative Commons license and is freely available for educational use. Until the next time, I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Be well.